You're listening to Right Where You Are, hosted by New York Times bestselling author, creator, and speaker, Jason Wright. With inspiring guest interviews and Jason's unique lens on life, this is the place to see the good in the world, to lift and be lifted, no matter your starting point, to make a difference that matters. And we'll do it all together, right where you are. Hello, hello. Welcome to Right Where You Are. This is Jason Wright, and I am so glad that you're here. Let's start with two quick favors. I'd be so thankful if you'd share this episode on social media. It takes just a second. And then if you have like maybe 60 more seconds, I'd be grateful if you'd rate and post a review of the show, especially on Apple Podcasts. It's just so helpful as we continue growing our family of loyal listeners here at Right Where You Are. Okay, I don't normally read guest bios verbatim, but in this case, I just have to share with you exactly what her team sent me because this is just so, so cool. Acclaimed for her indomitable tenacity and daredevil skills, she is an Olympic silver medalist. And she burst onto the American gymnastics scene when she won the junior individual all-around title at the 2011 American Classic. At 24, she became the oldest U.S. Olympic gymnast since 2004 with the resilience and competitive spirit that have earned her a reputation as a powerhouse performer and model teammate. Now, she traveled an unusual path to the Tokyo Olympics. After qualifying as an alternate for the 2016 Olympic team, she departed the world stage to compete for the University of Utah, where she became a two-time NCAA champion. Unexpectedly, she then decided to leave school in order to pursue her Olympic dreams again, mounting a comeback for the ages. Not even a year-long extension of training, COVID-induced pneumonia, a bone spur in one heel and tendonitis could hold her back. No surprise to those who know her and her motto, it is never give up. At the Tokyo preliminaries, she placed fourth on vault and 11th in the all-around, but was denied the opportunity to compete in the finals because of something called the two-per-country rule. So she publicly retired from gymnastics the next day. But when Simone Biles unexpectedly withdrew from the vault competition, she got a second chance to shine and won the silver medal. Together with her husband Jonas and their Bengal cat Mello, she documented her journey to Tokyo on YouTube and Instagram. She's also featured in the Peacock documentary Golden, The Journey of USA's Elite Gymnast. She and her husband live in Utah, where they are completing their undergrad degrees and developing their YouTube channel. Her career highlights are just too many to name. She's won national championships, individual medals. She actually holds an NCAA record for most consecutive routines without a fall. It just goes on and on and on. Oh, and by the way, her YouTube channel has uh, like 20 million views. Of course, you already know her name is Michaela Skinner. We're so happy to have her. Welcome, Michaela. How are you? I'm doing so good. Thanks for asking. Oh, I'm so glad to hear that. And I'm so glad to have you. I'm just honored to have you on the show. I'm excited to just sort of jump right into this. I I love asking highly acclaimed, successful, elite performers like yourself of their earliest memories in their childhood. So let's start there. Michaela, do you remember like the first time that you tumbled or vaulted or like flew over the couch in the living room as a toddler? Um, It's kind of sad, but not really. I mean, I was 
flipping the second I came out of the womb. Um, <laughs> my sister, my whole, all my siblings, I have a brother and two sisters. They all did gymnastics. My brother did it just for a little bit when he was younger. And so this just ever since I was really little, as I can remember, they just were teaching me stuff, flips, tricks. We had like um, a closet, you know, the coat hanger closet and they put me up on it and were making me do chin-ups and just a bunch of crazy stuff. So when I started gymnastics, I didn't start till I was five, but sometimes, you know, there's little mommy and me classes, or a lot of times you start when you're four. My mom didn't put me in it till I was five. And I kind of already had a lot of skills I could do about handspring. So I actually skipped a lot of levels, which is crazy. And, um, I started in level five, so I didn't do level one, two, three, or four. I did level five and actually one level five state meet. So oh. kind of crazy. My journey's just, it's wild, but I can't believe I did that. I just, I mean, a lot of that just seems like a blur. I've seen like I've competed so many times. It's like, I can't even remember when I first did gymnastics. So later, was there a moment when you realized like, this isn't just a hobby or some like special interest, but like, I could be really good at this. I could be world class. I could be an Olympian, like that elite, maybe a parent or a sibling or someone said, look, like you are really special. Um, I mean, when I was younger, that was always a big dream of mine. And I just remember, you know, my mom didn't really want, I, well, I didn't really want to do gymnastics. I kind of had a love hate relationship with it just because it was so time consuming. I'm like, well, this kind of sucks. Like I can, I just want to play with my friends. I just want to enjoy myself. Like gymnastics is fun, but I mean, I didn't really know what it, it took to be, you know, an Olympic athlete. And I was just so little that it was like a dream, but you know, everyone kept saying like my coaches, my family, like my coaches kept telling my mom, you just need to put, you need to switch Michaela to a different gym that, you know, does the Olympic route, which is elite gymnastics. There's J.O. and elite. And they're like, she just has so much talent and we can't help her get there. My mom's just like, oh no, you know, like whatever. Like they knew I had a lot of talent, but you know, I never really would have thought that I would have come this far. Um, so it's just crazy. But I mean, everyone could see it ever since I was really little. Like, I feel like they just kind of knew. So Everyone just kind of knew. I love that so much. So tell me about your pursuit of the Olympics, because I think this is just one of the most incredible and inspiring mm -hmm. parts of your journey. The, the ups and downs, a little bit of 2016, um, mm -hmm. of course, 2020 doesn't happen because of the pandemic and this yeah. like made for television movie, inspiring <laughs> story that ends um, with a medal in Tokyo. So Share some of the highlights of that journey in 16 and then again in 2021. Yeah. yeah. So 2016, um, well, actually 2012, I almost made the Olymp or made Olympic trials. I, I wasn't any, anywhere ready. I was still really young, but that still would have been cool to have the opportunity. I actually had placed like 15th and they took 15, but that was when Nastia Lukin was trying to come back and was only doing two events. So they like bumped me out and put her in, which totally understandable. So that was kind of cool. And then, you know, as I was getting ready for 2016, um, I just remember that year going into 2016 Olympic trials. I had worked so hard. I started going to an athletic trainer on top of gymnastics and I started going to a dance coach and just trying to work on flexibility and just a bunch of different things. Cause I'm definitely more a powerhouse gymnast more than I am flexible and, you know, graceful. So there was just a lot of little things I wanted to work on because I wanted to have every opportunity and give it my all to be able to try to make that Olympic team and Olympic trials day one, nailed it, went out of the park, just had like the meat of my life. 
Um, Olympic trials is a two day competition. So we have to compete twice. So we compete one day, have a day off and then compete the next day. And we're gone for like a week and we train up until the first day of competition. Um, so we can get used to the equipment and everything. Um, but with day two went out there and probably killed it even better than day one and ended up fourth in the all around. And for the Olympics, they take the top five. Um, the last Olympics was five. So, um, you know, we're, we go back into the waiting room, everyone, you know, we're so anxious. We probably wait for like 30 minutes by the Olympic coach and which was Marta Caroli at the time. And, you know, the national team staff, they're all back there talking, getting ready, deciding who they're going to name for the team. And I remember just sitting there texting my sister, you know, my whole family's up in the stands. And I just, I had this weird feeling like, you know, I went out there and you know, I did the best that I could, but it still wasn't going to be good enough for them to put me on the team. I just had this weird feeling. So I'm like texting my sister. I'm like, do you think I made it? Like, do you think they're going to put me on it? And my sister's like, I don't know. I just have to like, wait and see, you know? And so, um, you know, everyone comes walking in, we're all sitting there and it was probably like the worst feeling ever because it wasn't like we were sitting in the room, like talking, chatting, like upbeat. Everyone was just sitting there like, so stressed out, so nervous. It was like, it was horrible. Anyway, they come walking in and Marta starts, you know, naming off the team. And I can't remember the order, but anyway, she goes to say the fifth person. And I'm like, well, my name still hasn't been called yet. So am I going to be that fifth person? And of course it wasn't. And then right after that, I was named first alternate. They took three alternates and it was kind of hard because like I was crying because that that's still such an accomplishment to be an alternate because you got to step in at any point in any time to go and make to go in if someone gets hurt or sick or whatever. But I just I remember when we we went, we knew before everybody else knew they walked us out. They announced it to everybody in the arena and it wasn't really tears of happiness. It was kind of tears of being kind of sad and like, I can't believe I placed fourth and like they didn't put me on the team. Like, how does that even work? You know, I was like. They could use me for floor and vault. I was just so confused. Like they literally skipped four five and six and took like seventh and eighth. And so a lot of it just didn't like make any sense to me. So there's a lot of times where I was like, I don't want to be an alternate. Like, I just want to quit. Like, this is horrible. Like, I don't want to go to the, go to the <laughs> Olympics. And I'd already been an alternate before in 2015 for worlds. They put me as an alternate. So this was my second time in that position. So I feel like I knew what I needed to do, but it's just no one really realizes how hard that position is unless you live it, especially in gymnastics, because, you know, in elite gymnastics, we train twice a day when we're gone for worlds or the Olympics where they're pretty much for like a month and we mm. get no days off. We train twice a day, our days off for like one a day workouts. So a lot of people just don't know how brutal and intense and how exhausting it is to be at this level and to get to where we are. Um, so I just remember like, you know, I worked my butt off every single day we were in Brazil and I was like, I'm ready to go in if they need me. And it was really hard because we didn't get to train with the team at all. We were in a train, a different training facility. We actually trained where the Brazilians train. So we didn't get to stay in the Olympic village or be with the team. We didn't get to see them at all. It's like, we flew in and it was like Olympic team here and alternates there. It was like, we don't mm -hmm. care about you. You guys are nobody, you mm -hmm. know, it was just not a good experience. And so, you know, as we're working out, I'm just trying to like make the best experiences I could because this is like a once in a lifetime opportunity. I was like, well, I don't know if I'll ever make it this far again. And um, I probably cried every single night. <laughs> it was super hard. There was definitely multiple times where Marta kept saying, hey, we're going to pull you in. We're going to pull you in. And then they wouldn't pull me in. And I'm like, you can't tell me that 
if you're not going to put me in and you know, Lisa was like, just stop saying that if you're not going to put her in because it's messing with her head because we had, um, Steve Rybacky with us. He kind of was like our Marta with the alternates. And so, you know, he kept saying like, oh, they're going to put you in, they're going to put you in because some things were going on over there. And, you know, they just, they thought they were going to put me in and never did. So it was, it was very devastating at times, but honestly, like, I think I went there and I couldn't have done any better. My workouts were awesome. They were all super proud of me. And, you know, I cried every night just because it was so hard and exhausting. And I was like, I'm so ready to go home. Um, so kind of after that whole experience, I was kind of like over elite gymnastics. I was like, I'm kind of done with it. You know, I did the best that I could do. They still didn't want me. And I'm just ready to like actually really enjoy gymnastics. And I want to try college gymnastics. So I decided to. Let me ask you real quick. How, how old were you in 2016? When this was all happening, how old were you? I was 18, I think. So yeah, that is. Not- so I, I can't imagine that kind of pressure. I mean, I, I have a 17 year old about to turn mm-hmm. 18 and I just cannot imagine him dealing with this kind of, this kind of pressure. I mean, I, I just, that's. That's hard for me to wrap my head around. Yeah, it's, I think, you know, especially, I mean, I'm sure, you know, a lot of people have heard about, you know, the whole Larry Nassar scandal and just, you know, how abusive USA Gymnastics was and everything that goes with it. And it, it was hard. Like, I honestly don't know how I went through it, especially coming back into elite after everything's been different and we got a new Olympic coach and it's just like, I don't know, like Simone and I would talk about it all the time. And we're just like, I, I don't know how we did that. Like, how did we put ourselves through that? you know, my mom feels terrible, but it was just kind of like, like, that's just what you do. If you want to make the Olympics, like you just have to do it. So when you left to enroll and, and dive into school at, at, um, university of Utah and Mm -hmm. obviously a a highly acclaimed team in their own right. Mm -hmm. Did you, did you think when you walked into that gym for the first time or to an NCA meet, you know what, I'm probably done with the Olympic journey. Like I'm going to enjoy everything that college has to offer in these, this, this level of competition. Yeah, I definitely did. And, you know, I, I, you know, told my team, I'm like, elite gymnastics is horrible. It sucks. Like after experiencing college and like how fun it is, you're like, I don't want to go back to that, like training seven hours a day and, you know, killing myself. And, um, I just, I really enjoyed college gymnastics. I was like, this is so fun. Like, it's nice to go into practice and not stress and feel like you're going to die. Um, it was nice to just have fun with it and really just, really just get to enjoy every single moment of it, being part of a team, doing something different. Um, there's nothing like college gymnastics. And I think it's really cool to see, you know, a lot of, um, elite athletes starting to attend college gymnastics because I feel, you know, like an elite gymnastics, you get burnout really fast. And so it was sad to see a lot of girls just kind of fade out after their elite career, but it's so cool to see a lot of these girls going for their dreams, going to college. It's, it's just, it's, it's such a blast. I mean, elite gymnastics is awesome. And like, it has taught me so much, but at the same time, it's just like, it's just so brutal. You know, it's just like, I don't know how I've been able to do it all, especially at such an older age, but, but yeah, college gymnastics, I kind of had told my teammates, you know, like, I don't think I'm going back. I mean, I always knew it was an option. Um, but yeah, it was like my junior year came along and Tom was kind of like, okay, he's the Utah coach. And he was like, so if you're gonna, you know, go back, like we kind of need to know, cause I need to find someone for your spot when you're gone. And, you know, this is something, you know, I really had to think about cause I kind of knew I maybe wanted to, as, as soon as it kind of got closer and closer, I was kind of like, oh, maybe I could do it. Like Marta's not there anymore. And I kind of talked to Simone and 
you know, she said that it's a lot better and it's not as intense. It's still hard. But so I kind of was like, you know, I was doing a lot of my hard skills in college, you know, a lot of college gymnasts couldn't even do what I did in college. And so it kind of set me apart from everybody else. And I think that's kind of what helped me transition it into back into elite a little bit easier. Cause like in the summers, I would still play with like my triple double off the rod floor and still like kind of throw big stuff just for fun, because that's what I like to do. When I went to college, I was like, I kind of want to be different, be different. I know I don't get any difficulty because it's just a perfect 10. So it's more just about perfection more than it is difficulty, but I didn't care about that. I wanted to be different. I wanted to still have fun with it and do big skills. And like, it's so fun being in the Huntsman center with 15,000 fans and everyone watching you and just being able to see something different, you know? So I was just, it was just so fun to be able to stand out and still enjoy gymnastics at kind of a higher level. And it felt like you were doing it for you, right? You were, you were there because you wanted to be there. These were your Mm -hmm. goals. You know, you're, you were sort of driving the show at that point, right? Yeah. Yeah. So then what happens? How do we end up? um, How do we end up going for it again (laughs) in 2020? Tell us about that. Yeah. So it was a hard decision. I remember kind of like going through this decision, like talking to my family and to my boyfriend, which is now my husband at the time. Um, he was just like, you can do it. It's going to be like so much fun. Like, I really think you should do it just because like, you know, you kind of dominate in college and like, you're kind of too good for college. So like, you should just go one more time. And, and then I like prayed a lot about it. And I just kind of felt like, you know, this was, this is what I was supposed to do. So went back to Arizona, moved home. Um, Jonas and I actually did long distance because he went and was going to sell security systems for the summer. So I was like, this is going to be rough. I'm used to like seeing him every day and we're going to be doing long distance. I'm back in Arizona. So it was kind of a huge transition to like move back in with the family, especially like once you go to college, you're on your own. So didn't really know how that was going to go, but it actually went like a lot better than I ever thought. So my first week back in Arizona, um, I was going to take probably like a week or 10 days off because I had just finished, finished college season and we competed for like, you know, four months. We compete every single weekend. It's just a lot. And so I was like, I need a little bit of a break before I have to like totally commit to this. And my coach calls, I'm at the pool. It was like two or three days after being home. And she's like, Hey, so like, when do you plan on coming in? I really think that you need to get started sooner than later because we actually have a lot coming up. I think, you know, if we can try, we want you to go to classics and championships just to like, you know, kind of get back out there again before Olympic trials, you know, just so you can, um, be able to feel ready and prepared and try to get as much meats under your belt again as possible before we go in. So here I am sitting at the pool and I'm like, okay, I'll be in tomorrow. And so the next day, right into the gym and, you know, Lisa's like, kind of just start slow, see what you can do. And of course, like I'm in the gym and I start busting out like double, double laid out, triple, double. Like I just start doing like all these, all these crazy things. Um, so honestly, like just doing skills, like, isn't that big of a deal, but then you have to remember about doing a whole routine, going back to a bar routine that has like 12 or 14 skills instead of like four. And then on floor, you have to do four passes instead of three. And then out of three or out of four passes, three of the passes have to run off a one foot and have continuing movement from your dance right into the pass. And then you have to add in a turn, two leap passes, so there's just a bunch of things that I'd totally forgotten about. And it was, it was hard, but I mean, I went, I went to classics and competed all four events in like 
what was it? I think it was like barely three months. I had to train to get all my elite stuff back. I don't know how I did it. And I competed four events at classics, made the national team at championships and went to made the world's team. I was put alternate again, which was kind of a bummer because I placed fourth at world selection camp, which is, I don't even know how I did that. I, I remember I was like, I don't want to go to worlds. I just want to train for the Olympics. Like I'm not going to make the world's team. And Tom, the Olympic coach was like, Hey, um, you know, we really want you to just try for worlds. Um, I think it'd be a good experience for you now that you're doing a lead again. I think it'd be really good. And so I was like, okay, so we go to world selection camp place fourth and they take six. So there's five on the team and an alternate. And they didn't name the alternate until we were in Germany. And it was like a couple days before the competition. And I was hitting all my routines, did super good and was killing it. And I was feeling really confident. I was like, I don't think they'll put me alternate. I was like, maybe they will just because I haven't had any international experience for three years. And of course the day comes and he pulls me over and says, we're going to make you alternate. And I just remember being so devastated. I was like, I worked so hard. And it kind of felt like it was like I was at the Olympics again. I got fourth and they made me alternate again. So I remember like Simone went with me to the bathroom, calmed me down. She was like, she's like, you have done more than like I've seen anybody do with the short amount of time you've been able to come back into elite. And she's like, just take it one day at a time. She's like, you're still part of this team. You can do this. She's like, you know, you still got to be ready if you need to go in. And I'm like, I know, like I, you know, I've been alternate twice. So it was kind of hard. So I just kind of took that day to like, kind of be by myself. And then I just like, the next day was like, I'm going to enjoy this. I didn't even think I was going to be here. So I'm just really grateful that I had this opportunity to even get here. So I just was enjoying the process, having fun with the team. I actually got to go out on the floor for once, which was really nice with Marta. We were never allowed to go down on the floor, which usually the alternates and part of the team are allowed to be down there. So it was just a whole different experience. I actually felt loved. The girls were super sweet and were like, we wish you could, you know, be competing with us, but you know, we're so glad that you're down on the floor. So just to be that example, that role model, that teammate. And like, it was kind of fun because now that I'm older and I've had all the experiences I've had, it's been really fun to have this younger generation of girls going to camp and stuff, like come to me for advice. And I kind of got to be, you know, that grandma of the team, which was super cool. And um, you know, the grandma been- of the team. Oh. That's hilarious. <laughs> how, how old were you as the grandma of the team at that point? So you were 20. Um, this was 2019. So, oh, you're at 2019 now. Yeah. I'm, so you're, this is what, yeah. Worlds was 2019. So 23, so, 22, something like that. Yeah. I'm 24 right now. So yeah. And you're yeah, already the 20. grandma. Yeah. That's I'm, hilarious. Yeah, I know. I like, I don't even know how that happened, but we kind of replaced Simone and I kind of replaced Allie Raisman. So we kind of used to say she was the grandma of the team. And then we kind of took over that position. So, <laughs> which is weird. Cause I know we're not old, but for gymnastics, we're, we're kind of old. It's, it, it gets harder on your body for sure. So what, what is the average age of, I mean, if you, if you had to guess, you know, the average age of, of the, the team, the team that just competed. Um, so it was actually really cool because we had no one that was underage. Actually, all of us were 18 and older, which was really cool. I think this is the oldest team that we've ever had. Um, I mean, usually you peak from like, I mean, usually peak when you're like 16 years old, which is crazy to say. And I think that is nuts. 
right? With me coming back, with Chelsea Memel coming back, I think we've just kind of, I mean, and Simone, because she's my age too. She's just a couple months younger. Um, I think we've really shown the world that like, you can still do it. I think the problem is, is so many coaches burn their athletes out Mm -hmm. and do too many hours. Like going back to 2016 Olympics, my coach that last year, I used to train seven hours a day. She's like, you're just going to come in, get your routines done, hit your numbers and be done. Like, we're not going to spend seven hours. There's no point. It's too much on the body. And I think that just has prevented me to be, I mean, I, I have a really sturdy body, but it has definitely helped to not train seven hours a day. Cause I just think it's unnecessary and there's no reason to wear yourself out, you know? So coming back into a V, it was really nice. I told Lisa, I was like, um, in college, we, she knows cause her husband was the ASU college coach. Um, he's retired now, but he was, so she knows you, you train 20 hours a week. We got Wednesdays and Sundays off. And I was just like, I can't do, I can't go back to like seven or six hours a day. And so she's like, that's fine. We'll just come in, do what we did 2016. And I agreed or she agreed to let me have Wednesdays off and Sundays. So I got a day off in the week and Sundays off. And it's just funny because we would go to camp and I'd be talking to Simone about this. And she's like, like, she's like, when we went to world, she's like, you're not going to be able to do it. She's like, you don't even train enough. And I'm like, I'm like, but that's when I can push myself. And when I'm with the team, like we know what we have to do. And I was like, I've been there, I've done it. It's going to be hard, but at least I'll have more energy than being exhausted and worn down before we even go into worlds. And so mm-hmm. I've been able to handle it and I haven't trained, you know, I don't train 32 hours a week anymore. And I have been just fine, which is crazy. And I feel like Hopefully that has rubbed off on a lot of coaches. I mean, I've talked about it before, um, just that you don't, you don't need to kill your, kill your athlete just to be, you know, the best in the world. You really need to save and protect the body because gymnastics is so much we're pounding on all of our joints and it just, it takes a lot. So, um, so yeah, it's, it's been cool to watch, you know, other gymnasts come back and be able to kind of do it at least I think so. Well, and you have such a cool role now, you know, we sort of joke about you as the grandma, but, but that means that you're mentoring and watching over, you know, these other young women that are coming Mm -hmm. into the highest, highest levels of a, of an Mm -hmm. insanely competitive sport. So I'm sure that your, I'm sure that your role there has been incredibly important for them and probably for you probably learned a lot through it too. I'm curious then. So I, I was watching when the team was announced um, Mm -hmm. for Tokyo and, you know, I knew who you were, I'd kind of been following a little bit and, and, you know, was, was cheering for you like so many others to make the <laughs> team. I found the whole thing just so gripping, knowing the thousands and thousands of hours that you had all invested. And it comes down to, to a group of people in another room. And I, it, as you described, I can remember the, the cameras on all of you and the tension and you know, there's love in the room. You can tell that you all love and, mm-hmm. and admire one another so much, but there's also this competitive drive to, to be the one whose name is called. Right. Yeah, so, yeah. so what's that like? What is that like when the team is announced and mm-hmm. you know, here we are again? Yeah. Well, I'll just kind of go back just a little bit. Um, just to explain how crazy, um, coming back into the elite scene was for me, obviously with COVID, Mm-hmm. Everything got pushed back a year, which I was not planning on. I was planning on just doing, um, you know, one year of coming back and then going back to school and finishing college gymnastics. And um, after it got postponed, I was like, okay, well, do I go back to college and finish? Do I keep doing elite gymnastics? 
And I decided to keep doing it. I was like, I've already come so far, so I might as well. Um, you know, the only thing that, you know, kind of worried me was like, you know, there's possibilities of getting injured or other things. So I'm, you know, putting my husband's life on hold and just a bunch of different things. But, you know, I'm like, okay, well, this gives me more time to learn stuff that I wouldn't have gotten to if I was only back for a year. So I could kind of upgrade my routines and get some more difficulty in there. So I was just, you know, after everything got pushed back, I was like, going into the gym, busting out like all these crazy skills, trying to get all these combos combinations put together. And of course my foot starts hurting and it actually kind of started my junior year, but it's, it kind of like has bugged me all the way up until, you know, COVID had happened. It, it just got really, really bad. And it was weird. Cause I was able to like still do stuff and it like really didn't bug me that much. Um, but the pain was there. So I'd been doing therapy for it. And it got so, so bad that we went and got an MRI done and they found that I had a huge bone spur on the back of my foot and they wanted to shave the bone down because it was rubbing against my Achilles. So my Achilles had a ton of pain. And so we were worried about that. And so it was just because of my bone spur. So if I would have done the surgery, I would have been out and it would have been cutting it way too close um, to be able to come back and get ready for Olympic trials. So we decided to do like a PRP injection. We did shockwave therapy, which was miserable. That was like so painful, but it seriously works wonders. So mm. that was, that was really cool to do, but yeah, it was killer. And then that took just a while to get back. I like took forever. I had to get my foot really strong again. And then it was like, right when I just like the week I had just started to be able to like tumble and it was like feeling pretty good. I got hit with COVID mm. and I really bad for two weeks. And then I kind of started feeling better, but I just, you know, felt really sluggish still and kind of just started to like slowly go back into the gym. And like my third day of being in the gym, I got like really, really sick again. So I called my sister and she's like, you need to come home. And she's like, I think you have pneumonia. Cause I was just telling her like, I can't really breathe. Like my chest hurts really bad. And my chest had kind of hurt the whole time I had COVID. So I didn't really think of like pneumonia, you know, So we went to the hospital, then I got diagnosed with pneumonia. So I was out for like another 10 days. So I was out for almost like a month. And that's like the longest I've ever been. Like my whole gymnastics career, I've never really been injured, never had a surgery. So this was just like a whole new experience. And I just, it took me forever to like come back into the gym and try to get my endurance back. I literally just wanted to quit and give up every single moment And my husband and my family and everyone was just like, you can do this. They're like, you've come so far. And I was just like, okay, I just got to take this one at a time and just see where this can take me. I really didn't think I was going to be ready for Olympic trials at all. We had our first meet, which was classics. And, you know, none of us had been to like training camps. We hadn't had any meets for a whole year. So like everyone was just kind of thrown off. We were all going through struggles. We had our first national team camp. We were all like, it was just rough. We were all like, I don't even know how we're going to have the Olympics because we just were so unprepared. And it was, I don't know, that whole year was just, I don't even know how I was able to push through it or do it. Um, it was, it was really probably one of the hardest times in my life. Um, but it was really cool to like go to classics and, you know, it was rough. I mean, everyone kind of had a rough meet and I was in a documentary. So the documentary just couldn't believe like, how many people were falling all over the place. And I was like, it will get better. I promise. Like we just haven't competed in a year. So it's just going to take us a minute. And, you know, I'm a really big competitor. So 
whenever like I don't do good, I just somehow am able to like go back into the gym, work harder than ever. And just like be able to go in there and just like show them what I got. I'm like, I want this so bad. I'm going to do everything I can to get there. So then we go to championships and it was, it was a two day competition. It was a little bit better, but still not, not what I was expecting. And, you know, I was still having a hard time breathing. Um, my endurance still wasn't like a hundred percent. Um, and I placed like, I think like 10th in the all around or something. And I was just thinking to myself, I'm like, this is like, <laughs> this is not good. Like I need to be, you know, placing in the top four, if I want to make this Olympic team. So we go back home, we have like a week until trials and, um, I don't know. It just, everything just kind of worked out the way it was supposed to. Like, I feel like I just, that last week into the gym was such a big push. I was able to just like do everything so good. And I felt so confident going into trials and, you know, we had the two day competition at trials and it was seriously a blast. It was so cool. The fire, everybody that was in there, we had like I think it was more than the Huntsman Center. I, it was like a couple, it was like 16, 17,000 people in there. It was insane. Mm. It was the coolest experience ever. It was just like, it brought back so many memories of 2016. And it was just, it felt so special. And like the hype, I was just excited. I was pumped. Anyway, I remember day two of competition. Um, I was in fourth day one. And I was like, okay, like I really got to hit and do good if I, you know, want to stay in my rankings and stay at the top. So um, day two was a little bit more stressful. I feel like I was a lot more nervous and I feel like day one was definitely a lot better for me. And I ended up in fifth of day two, which wasn't bad. And I, I was kind of like, well, I know they might need me on floor and vault. And, you know, I know they want to be fair so that they might take rank order because of kind of what happened last Olympics. Um, everything, you know, a lot of people had complained about what had happened and, you know, they, they wanted to make things more fair. And Tom was really good about making things rank order. So as I was sitting back in the room, I was kind of like thinking to myself again, I texted my sister. Um, and I was like, okay, do you think I made a team? Like, I like, I don't know what to think. And it was just so crazy. And my sister was like, well, if they don't put her on the team, then she's not going. And so this Olympics, it was a four man team. So they, narrowed it down to four. And then they had the two event specialist spot and Jade had already qualified for the, one of the individual spots. And so both of, both of us are really good at floor and vault. So I was like, well, they're not going to put me as an individual. And I just really got to be on that team if I want to make this. So Tom comes back and the national staff comes back and they start naming off the team and they go like rank order. They're like Simone Biles, um, Sunisa Lee, Jordan Childs, and then they go to say the fourth person and they're like, Grace McCollum. And so I just like kind of sat there in shock, like, well, I guess I'm alternate again. <laughs> like I got experiences all over again. And then right after that, like Michaela Skinner, individual. And I'm like, what the heck? Like my coach literally just like ran up and was like jumping up and down. And it was kind of hard. Cause like, I was really excited, but at the same time I was like, well, I don't really want to be an individual. Like, is that bad? Like I was kind of like, I was like excited, but kind of upset just because like, I kind of felt like it was rude to Jade because now I'm like, well, now we're both competing for like floor and vault. And then like, we know Simone's going to make floor and vault and they can only take two per country. Mm -hmm. And so it was definitely kind of weird, but if anything, like once I walked out there, like everyone was just so, so shocked and just couldn't believe that they put me as an individual. Like my sister, when they named the four man team first and everyone walked out, my family was like, Oh, like, so is she alternate again? Cause like we see her standing down there. Cause they literally just didn't think it was possible for me to be an event specialist. 
um, since Jade was already in. And then when they announced it, they were just like, Hey, you know what? Like you made the team. This is, you know, you've worked so hard for this. You're on it. No one can take that away from you. And so it was just, it was a crazy ride. And then going to Tokyo and with COVID, I'm like, I just can't believe we even made it here. You know, we had a COVID test every day. We didn't get to stay in the Olympic village, which was such a bummer because I didn't get to be in it 2016. So I was like, really like banking on that and like looking forward to like being in the village. So they at least took us around and we got to go see it twice and hmm. um, kind of see where Ben was staying. And it was, it was super cool. So really sad we couldn't be a part of that, but, um, but yeah, the Olympics was seriously wild. Um, I don't know if you want me to go into the details right now, but. Oh, I absolutely do, and we will. But first, we're going to wrap now and call this part one of a two-part episode with Michaela Skinner. I'm excited. We have never broken an episode up like this. So thank you, Michaela, for allowing us to do this. Thank you for giving us so much time. You are an absolute all-star, folks. Please come back next week for part two as Michaela takes us deeper into Tokyo, what the games were like, what it meant to be an Olympian. She'll talk about her teammates. She'll talk about Simone Biles and what that was like as Simone withdrew from the competition opening the door for Michaela and how she absolutely bursts right through it. So don't miss it. Next week, we'll see you right back here, right where you are. And in the meantime, please follow and subscribe and all that good stuff to the podcast, wherever you listen to your favorite shows. Look in the show notes for links for all the wonderful things that Michaela is doing. And we'll see you next time on Right Where You Are. Thank you for joining us on Right Where You Are. For more information about Jason and his projects, visit him online at jasonfright.com or on social media at facebook.com slash jfwbooks or on Instagram at Jason F. Wright. And be sure to subscribe to Right Where You Are, wherever you listen to your favorite podcasts. This has been a production of Right Media Productions, copyright 2021 by Jason F. Wright. All rights reserved.